0: doing something a little different, something I've never done before, at least, and that's we're doing a, a collaborative sermon, a three of us, all three of us together, Steffi and Lauren and I, we're, we're going to uh, uh, bring this word together w- with you, and so we're trusting God to speak to us as we open up his word. One of the things that we've heard from students is that you all want to talk about challenging topics, that you want to face issues head on and consider how to think Christianly about them. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus and politics and our call to love our enemies. We received a lot of positive feedback. We want to be talking about these things. So today, the book of Luke has brought us to another challenging and important topic, how the cross of Jesus relates to the history of lynching in America.
1: Before we dive in, we so want you to take make... off
0: your mask. You can do it. You can hear me better. So
1: <laughs> Before we dive in, we want to give three disclaimers. For my students of color this will be hard it will be painful but it's something that we need to address
0: number two we are not beating up white people white people are not inherently bad or more evil than anyone else as a white person myself i'm grateful for my ethnic heritage and grateful to be an american however as a white american i also feel it's my responsibility to be aware of the ways that historically in our country the roads opportunity and flourishing has been generally easier for people who look like me. Our hope is not white bashing or America bashing, but simply honesty about our history and an openness to learn from it.
2: And third, we are not pushing any ideological agenda or political party or policy. We know that thoughtful Christians disagree about these things. What we want to do this morning is we wanna look honestly at our history Remain faithful to scripture and stay focused on Jesus as he leads us to be part of his redemptive work in the world today. So would you take just a minute now silently and ask Jesus to lead us now into that?
1: Hear these words from Jesus' mouth. From Luke 9 and John 12. The son of man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come To this hour.
2: You see, it's no coincidence that Jesus died. His mission from the Father was to enter in the flesh in solidarity with us as humans, to live a real human life, and then to die an unjust death in solidarity with all who die, and in particular, solidarity with those people who know unjust suffering from the inside. Jesus came to suffer and to die.
0: Last spring, I, was, I read a book I was hoping to read for a while called The Cross and the Lynching Tree by James Cone. James Cone died a couple years ago and is considered one, to be one of the most important American theologians of the last 100 years, particularly developing... Theological Insights from the African-American Perspective. In the book, Cohn says this, quote, until we can see the cross and the lynching tree together, until we can identify Christ with a re-crucified black body hanging from a lynching tree, there can be no genuine understanding of Christian identity in America and no deliverance from the brutal legacy of slavery and white supremacy. Cohn is referring to the narrative of racial difference, The belief that people are more or less human based on the color of their skin. This deeply embedded belief has been sown into the American soil and psyche since the early European interactions with Native Americans and since the first African slaves arrived on our shores in 1619. According to Cohn, we cannot move forward from slavery or from the narrative of racial difference without facing the reality of lynchings that the African-American community faced for over 100 years in our nation. Cohn's bold challenge struck me deeply, and as a white pastor, I felt compelled to learn more. I'll give the briefest overview here, but there's much more to say. If you're interested in learning more, I highly recommend visiting the Equal Justice Initiative website, EJI.org, and reading their lynching report. The organization founded by Brian Stevenson, the one uh, featured in the recent movie Just Mercy, There's also a painful but honest look at at this. There's a book in the library called Without Sanctuary that gives a photographic history of lynching. So lynching began as a means for communities, particularly in the West, to provide a community policing when people committed crimes. However, after the North won the Civil War and slaves were no longer valuable property protected by their owners, lynching increasingly became a means for asserting that ex-slaves were still subservient members in society. From 1867 to 1980, about 5,500 people were lynched, more than than three-quarters of them African-American. The percentage of African-Americans lynched increased significantly after 1900. There are also hundreds of Mexicans and Mexican-Americans who were lynched during these years to assert white dominance near the southern border. See, lynching isn't just death by hanging, but it can also refer to any kind of mob killing for public justice. And lynchings occurred for various reasons in the enforcement of racial hierarchy and social segregation, almost always without an opportunity for a trial. Most often, lynchings were fueled by racist stereotypes of black men as sexual predators and aggressors. Other reasons for lynchings were accusations of robbery, arson, and homelessness. Sometimes black people were killed by a mob simply because no one could be find, found to blame for a crime or because of the economic success of a black man. There were also spectacle lynchings, which were publicized in advance and could have between 10 and 20,000 people attend the circus spectacle to celebrate the torture of the victim. Many times, these spectacle lynchings occurred on Sundays after church, so the church folk, including many KKK members, could participate. Men were most commonly lynched, but women and children were included in the torturous deaths at times as well. These lynchings not only affected the lynched in their families, they also spread fear throughout the African-American community. Millions of black people fled the terror of the South during this time, streaming into ghettos in northern cities, hoping to find a place of solace and a chance for their families to move forward in peace. Although the lynchings were known to the police and local governments, the mobs almost never faced any sort of interference or penalty for their actions. Authorities and common citizens from local governments to the president of the United States, from pastors like me to, local, to public theologians, typically kept silent about the brutality. If there was a trial at all, the common response was that the lynching victim died by an unknown cause. This is a brief history, maybe a reminder of some of the history of lynching. I didn't realize how deep this had run, even as I played hangman with my children one day and realized this game I've always played has roots in the lynching history of our country. Well, this is the context I was thinking of, this lynching history, as I spent time in the Gospel of Luke last spring, preparing for the sermon series with our team. And then I came across this verse in Luke 23, verse 48. And when all the crowds who had gathered there at the cross of Jesus for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts. Once I heard this, all I could think of was the thousands of individuals in our country, mostly with black or brown skin, who were unjustly and brutally murdered by the mobs of people looking for a spectacle. Just like Jesus was. There may be no more fitting modern parallel to the cross of Jesus than the lynching tree.
2: Hear these words.
0: About Jesus from Luke 23, 48. After he died on the cross. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for the spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home, beating their breasts.
2: hear these words about the lynching of Thomas Brooks in 1915. Hundreds of Kodaks clicked all morning at the scene of the lynching. People in automobiles and carriages came from miles around to view the corpse dangling from the end of a rope. Picture card photographers installed a portable printing plant at the bridge and reaped a harvest in selling postcards showing a photograph of the lynched Negro. Women and children were there by the score. At a number of the county schools, the day's routine was delayed until boy and girl pupils could get back from the viewing of the lynched man.
0: Hear these words about Jesus from Luke 22 and Luke 23. Now the men who were holding Jesus began to mock him and beat him. And Pilate said, I will therefore have him flogged. By the way, the flogging wasn't just whips. He was struck with a whip made of braided leather with metal balls woven into them with pieces of sharp bone. Likely struck 39 times in a manner that slowly sliced through the skin of Jesus' back and left it hanging in shreds on our
1: behalf. Hear the words about the lynching of Lee Walker in 1893. Lee Walker was forcibly removed from the county jail and hanged from a telegraph pole after his skin had been cut to ribbons by the mob. As Walker swung on the pole, blood streaming down his body from knife wounds, the crowd hurled expletives at him.
0: Hear these words about Jesus from John 19. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one for each soldier. They also took his tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but
1: cast lots for it to see who will get it. Hear these words about lynchings in America. Souvenirs were very common from the lynchings. Besides the postcards, people often also sought other souvenirs like teeth, ears, toes, fingers, nails, kneecaps, and bits of charred skin and bones. Luther Holbert and his wife were executed by a mob after he was accused of murdering his employer in 1904. A reporter described that after the two were tied to trees, they were forced to hold out their hands while one finger at a time was chopped off. The fingers were then distributed as souvenirs.
0: Hear these words of Jesus from Luke 23. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit, as he hung on the cross. Having said this, he breathed
1: his last. Hear these words of Sam Holes, a black man shown to have killed someone in self-defense. And as he burned to death while being stabbed by the white crowd, He cried out, oh, my God, oh, Jesus.
2: When I, Lauren Taylor, a white woman, consider the suffering of Africans and African-Americans that they've endured in this country many times at the hands of white Christians, When I consider these stories of lynchings and the enslavement of black bodies before this and the fear of death that has haunted African Americans after this, and I look at the role that the church played supporting these things or staying silent in these matters, I cannot fathom why any African-American would still be a Christian. I cannot understand how the black church still exists. And yet, it does. And yet, the black church has been a source of comfort and a force for change in this country. The black church is a bedrock of the African American community and is thriving in ways that the white church could never replicate. If you were ever looking for a reason to know that God exists, to know that Jesus is real beyond anything that any Christian could do or say, It is found, I believe, in the flourishing black American church in the face of such incredible suffering at the hands of white Christians.
1: My grandmother stood tall, and this is what she said. Come Sunday morning, the resurrection of Jesus conquered evil, for my child, my God, is not dead. You see, I never thought about walking away from my faith for the black church taught me love and not to hate. Come Sunday morning is hope of glory for the African-American church where we sang and raised hands and praises to God who gave us hope and our born-again birth. Come Sunday morning, one day the sun will shine again Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, my people still stand. Come Sunday morning. Amen.
2: We want to close this morning by giving you just a few moments to consider this connection between the suffering of Jesus and the suffering of our black brothers and sisters. Why is this important? What do we learn about Jesus in this? And where is Jesus leading us with this connection? How's Jesus asking us to be part of his redemptive work in the world today, October 2020, with this in mind? The song that we're about to play is written by a group called The Porter's Gate on their album that came out this summer called Lament Songs. The lyrics for this song are found on our lyric page. So if you want to pull out your phone and look up the lyrics and follow along, we encourage you to do that. But may this song help us to think and to pray and to listen well this morning.